welcome to the light pod brought to you by LightEye, a hub for ideas education and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting i'm your host sam corbel and today i'm excited to welcome josie ratten into the podcast studio josie is an entrepreneur and currently is a professional voice artist she's also got about 20 years of experience when it comes to lighting and lighting design this should be a fun conversation. Josie, welcome to the podcast. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good, thanks. It's great to see you. Thanks for coming down. Thanks mm-hmm. for thanks for braving the winter weather here in Denver. Oh, I know. Even though it is 55 degrees today. Bit icy. <laughs> it is a bit icy. <laughs> It'll probably melt by noon though, yeah. right? How are you doing? How have you been? How are things? We're in 2021 and uh, there's a light at the end of the COVID tunnel. Supposedly. Second year of lockdown. Oh, yeah, no. second year. Oh, come on. Don't put it that way. <laughs> it's good. It's good. We're hopeful. I've, I've got a vacation planned later this year so we're really hoping we get to go to it (laughs) vacation is important i know know. well josie i know that you've spent a lot of time you know exploring what it is that sparks joy in your life and today we get a chance to talk a little bit about what's done that in the past and where you're at doing that now and and what your journey and path has been like before we dive into that and kind of have that thought and that conversation around what it means to truly follow your passion Tell us a little about you. Who is Josie and how did you get your start in passion for lighting? Well, I was born in Yorkshire in England and that's where I was born and raised. Moved to the US in 2001 and I've never left. Blame my husband for that. But no, I've loved it ever since. So yeah, so that's where I came from. I always wanted to be an architect. That was pretty much all I wanted to do. My mom said that since I was four, If you asked me what I wanted to do, I wanted to be an architect. And I've never changed my mind, never said any other career. And then when I was about 16, I met someone who was an architect and he was like, do not be an architect. (laughs) So so I was like, okay, so maybe do I I want to be an architect? What did he say? Go be a lighting designer? (laughs) He was like, this is a terrible job. You don't want to be an architect. Wow. Why, Why do you think he said that? I think he was... He didn't like the actual reality of being an architect where like you're kind of just drawing details and just drawing the monotony of some of that, you know, unless mm-hmm. you're like the big inspirational creative guy. I think that's that's part of the reason he didn't like it. And I think he was doing a lot of boring buildings. Ah, uh, <laughs> so yes, boring buildings. It doesn't help. I don't know. Walgreens is pretty functional. It is a boring <laughs> building. <though. laughs> Someone's got to design it. Yeah. So no, so I actually looked into what else is out there other than architecture and I actually had always done stage lighting at school. Me and a group of friends, we were like the stage lighting crew and I loved it. I just totally loved stage lighting. I loved the getting up on scaffolding and putting the lights in and deciding how it works. And this was a really old school, like plug-in dimmers, you know, everything was, you know, really old school. I got to stop you right there. You're sitting here in the studio and you're, you're, you've got your hands, you know, out wide and you're <laughs> acting like swinging back and forth across the room. Mm-hmm. You got to explain to everybody that's listening what it meant to plug in dimmers. Like, I I think you're talking about a patch wall, right? Yeah, I mean, it was literally a big wall. It was probably five feet tall or something on a wall with just a load of plugs. And they all had numbers on them. And we had little tags on the script. And you're like, at this line, plug in 37 into two and take this one out and... And that's what we did. This is like playing <laughs> operator if you were running the telephones back in like the early 1900s. Yeah. 
<laughs> and this was like 93. Yeah. 19 <laughs> and night, ladies and gentlemen, in 1993, yeah. we were still plugging lights in <laughs> and theatrical productions. Right. Today you push a button and it's all a computer screen. Right, yeah. yeah. At one point we did actually get like a big strand board and that was, we were like blown away. And then we had to learn how to do it. Like no one taught us. We were like, okay, now we've got to figure out what this is. You know, this whole digital thing, (laughs) you know. So that was fun. So yeah, I've always liked lighting. But then I did discovered architectural engineering and that's discovered that wasn't even even a degree. I didn't even know that was a degree. And there was only two places in England that did it. So, cause it's not really a big known thing in England compared to America. And so I applied to both those universities and I got into Leeds. They had an exchange year at Penn State. So that was part of the reason I chose Leeds. Very cool. So I went to Penn State and that's pretty much where I learned my lighting from Craig Berniker. We met some people from Schuler and Shuck when we were there, which was awesome and really just discovered lighting design. And I thought, this is what I want to do. I love the visual aspect of it. It was like architecture, you know, but it was the visual and the interior design. I love interior design. I love architecture and the lighting just kind of brought it all together. And I just, I love that part of it. And so I think that's, soon as I left Penn State and came back to Leeds for my final year, I was like, well, does lighting design exist in England? I don't know. I never heard of it. And so I researched and I got a job in lighting. Where, where was your first job in lighting? It was at Pinninger and Partners with Miles Pinninger and Martin Lupton. And it was in tiny, tiny little village. It was a converted pub in a village south of London. So, so <laughs> interesting location. What, what, what was the lighting in the old pub like? <laughs> <laughs> Not it, as good as the beer. No, but it was, it was cool. It was actually upstairs from our office. There was a company making LED chips. And it was like, well, what's this LED thing? You know, this was in the 90s. And it was cool, you know, to see the new LED things coming through and there's just this one company, just a couple of guys sitting up there, just wires and you know soldering and stuff and just yeah. making LEDs. So yeah, I worked by Miles and Martin for a couple of years and then I decided it's time to move west and move to the west coast. So all I wanted to do was live on the west coast. I mean, the west coast <laughs> is the best coast. It absolutely there's, is. There's no arguments there. Uh-huh. I've got a lot of friends on the east coast. I've got family on the east coast. I don't have anything against it, but I'm totally a West Coast person, in case I haven't mentioned uh, the West Coast. (laughs) Yep, I just fell in love with it. I traveled there when I was at Penn State, and I was like, I want to live on the West Coast. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, you know, you you had an opportunity to to live on the West Coast and dive in and, and do a lot in lighting design. What was the progression of your career like over the last 20 years in lighting design before you chose to leave it like? I mean, you know, what did you enjoy? What was your favorite part of it? And what did you learn that kind of surprised you? I loved just the variety that we worked on, the variety of projects. I was like, I worked for two different companies in San Francisco, and then I moved to Colorado nine, eight years ago. (laughs) It's been a long time. (laughs) You forgot there was an entire year that's passed. I know, I know. This will ignore 2020. So, yeah, I mean, I just the variety. We did, you know, private multi-million dollar homes. We did hospitals, universities, and then in Colorado working on like big interstate highways. I mean, it's such a difference, but everything's so, you learn so many different things depending on what you're working on. And there's so many different aspects to lighting. Mm-hmm. And what's important on each project is is just, I think I found that fascinating. So I think one of my favorite parts was actually just seeing how clients, no pun intended, the light bulb went off. You know, when you would talk to clients about lighting and get them to understand what it really meant to have appropriate lighting and good lighting in a space mm-hmm. or outside and that they really got that. And I think that was so interesting to see when you could meet with clients and work with them and then see their 
joy of seeing it open and saying, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. It's not just the architecture. It's not just the sofas that they picked. You know, it's the lighting too and the whole space. And I think I loved seeing that finished product. That was always like the biggest joy to have those site visits and seeing it in construction and seeing the final product and going there. And it's like, yes, this is not just theoretical. It's not just on paper. You know, it's actually a real space. And that was always so much fun to do. For you, that was obviously a lot of fun. You mentioned, though, like being able to teach the clients how what you were doing was so important mm-hmm. was also a big part of it. Talk mm-hmm. to me a little bit more about that. Would you walk in and they were curious to learn or did you even have to find a way to get them to listen so that they would learn? I think it really depended on the person. I mean, some people just didn't. I think if there was an architect, they certainly wanted to learn more about it. Some clients it was almost like, oh, I just want it to look good, you know, or they'd heard something or read something. And it's like, oh, well, we need this because I read it somewhere. And then trying to get them to explain the big picture, you know, of it is like, okay, well, we get that you want that, but let's think about big picture. What do we really want in a space? Or what do we want the overall look to look like? When you, when you talk about how it was there and it was intentional and how they wanted it to look like, mm. you obviously knew that lighting was a big part of that. Mm-hmm. You knew that you had to teach them. When you went through that entire design process, what was the moment in time that finally you saw it click mm-hmm. for them, mm-hmm. for the people that didn't know? Was mm-hmm. it was it a rendering? Was it a walkthrough? Or was it two months after the space was open? Mm-hmm. Certainly the renderings really helped. And I know one thing that we always used to love to do was you know, you get the plan and this was almost before you could make really cool renderings and, you know, pre-SketchUp and things and then just color it in yellow. You know, you'd almost like, okay, well, let's let's see where the little blobs, little blobs of light would be, you know, and they could almost see that because a lot of people don't understand plans. You know, they look at a plan and it's like, I don't know what that means. But if you could, or even draw an elevation of something, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so much of it was renderings. And then sometimes you'd put the calculation in an AGI and you'd show them even just a black and white. And it's like, look, you see, if you up like this, you see what it looks like. And they're like, oh, yeah, I didn't get that. You know, and I, I think that was always so interesting because I think as a lighting designer, you just assume everyone knows you know, <laughs> what lighting does, but people don't. And I think there's an aspect, there's a lot of people in lighting who are like, oh, well, let's hide everything. But I think if it's the, the right light, I mean, I love seeing lights in space. I mean, these pendants you have here, I mean, I love like big, impressive pendants. And mm-hmm. I think it's not all about hiding light. It's having the appropriate light for the space. And there's nothing wrong with seeing the lights, you know. <laughs> What was it like for you when you had a client and they were sitting there and they were obviously unaware at the beginning, they became aware, and then not only did they become aware, they started to engage with you. What did that feel like for you and and how did that bring a a sense of maybe accomplishment or joy or or whatever Mm -hmm. it brought to you? Mm -hmm. It was definitely, you you felt like you had that connection then with them at a deeper level. You felt like, I guess, you were being valued. You weren't just being hired just because they were told you had to have a lighting designer. They actually see the value in you. And that's a big part of, for me, for my values and seeing the recognition. I love getting that because I think you feel that you're not just an architect or an interior designer, that you're bringing something else to the space. It's almost like because then they can go and tell, you know, other people they work with. And that was always part of it is getting, especially clients, developers, some owners of some of the bigger companies that we worked with, some CEOs, getting them to understand it because then they can tell other people that it's like, yeah, 
maybe you should have better lighting in your office space, or maybe you should have better lighting in a classroom. Because so many people don't understand it, and I think once you can get it into their head that it is, I love that because I've worked in my son's school um, on his on lighting for his school, and seeing the teachers now in better lighting, they're like, "Oh, we never knew we could do this," and it's like we want to put this in all places, you know. And I love that because it's like, wow, people are finally getting lighting, you know. And I think it's it's such an unknown part of design compared to other aspects of design. People are finally getting lighting. <laughs> you know, I think we we in the lighting community probably say that on a daily basis and we say the exact opposite on a daily basis too. <laughs> people don't get it at all yeah. or people are finally starting to get it. Right. It seems to be a constant struggle of, of getting people to understand that light actually makes a difference. It's trivial because everybody turns the light switch on every day. The sun comes up every day. This is something that I feel like I've talked to just about every single lighting passionate lighting enthusiastic person in the world about Mm -hmm. and we all seem to kind of scratch our heads at the end of the day and we're trying to figure out why don't more people think about lighting and why don't people know that lighting design is something that does make the difference what do you think about that I think it's true I mean I think the education side of it is huge. I mean, I thought this when I first moved, when I first started in lighting in London, I actually wrote a paper for a magazine there that was called Lighting Design, Who Cares? And it was really about just the lack of education, even just in college and things, because we didn't have architecture and engineering and lighting design like they do in America, and really just trying to educate people. And I think it is so critical. I think so many people don't understand lighting and it goes all the way back to your house you know people don't understand lighting about in the houses i think that i mean personally i think places like hgtv has helped you yeah. know i think people are getting like people get interior design now better i think some of those interior designers on hgtv are talking about lighting and i think people are understanding that now i think the circadian rhythm information that's coming out people are finally like that's registering with them people now so People are beginning to understand yeah. what lighting can do to you. I mean, you hear a lot of people saying, like, at least the daylight color, mm-hmm. right? Or the warm white color and the, the cool and the warm tone. Like, that's come into it a little bit. You go to the hardware store and they tell you, that, I mean, color temperature lumens are published on a box mm-hmm. now for for the first time. Some technical terms are out right. in, the, in the consumer world. Yeah. And that helps a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think even just educating people on a day-to-day basis helps, even if it's not the technical and the construction side of it. You know, if you, in the same way, you know, if you understand more about, like, just decorating and furniture and placement and um, ergonomics, that kind of thing, you know, sitting at a desk, people mm-hmm. are now educated about that, which they never used to be. So to your point, education is a big part of getting people to understand something. I think so. And I think just just to go back to one of my favorite parts, I know one of this is like my total nerdy side is I loved doing things like fixture schedules, which I know so many lighting designers hate fixture schedules and hate like cut sheets and the calculations. I kind of loved that side of it, which, was, you know, I think, and I don't know, it's like my perfectionist side, I think, because I loved getting it right. Mm. And I liked. I'm just going to say it once, nerd. <laughs> I know, yeah. I'm total nerd. But, you know, it's like a puzzle. You know, you get to solve it and you've got to, like, try and figure it out. And, you know, I love that part of lighting. That was like one of my favorite things to do in my job was the fixture schedule. The fixture <laughs> schedule. Well, you know, the fixture schedule is. <laughs> 
I'm laughing. I mean, I don't know. I, I never got the opportunity to write fixture schedules past my internships. I tell you what, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about lighting and maybe, you know, what wasn't quite as much fun as writing those fixture schedules and what ultimately led you to make the decision to get out of lighting design and go do other things. Sound good? Uh Uh-huh. Sounds good. Great. Hey, it's Sam. Real quick, this podcast is sponsored by LightEye, a hub for ideas, education, and a little bit of entertainment when it comes to architectural lighting. They make short, informative, and educational videos. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on social media. You can find them pretty much anywhere on the internet. And they also bring you things like this podcast. Be sure to check them out. That's lytei.com. And welcome back. Over the break, Josie and I were just catching up a little bit more about everything else that surprised her that we got too excited that we almost forgot to talk about. Josie, talk to me just a little bit more. What were those things that surprised you in your lighting career? Well, one of the biggest things that surprised me when I moved to America from working in London for two years was just the way the industry operated and the fact that there aren't sales agencies in the UK, at least there wasn't back 20 something years ago. And just how the lighting designers and architects had a much closer relationship with the manufacturers. And if you wanted a product and it met your budget, you just ask the manufacturer and say, does this meet my budget? I have this budget for this light type of light fixture. And they're like, yep, it does that. They're like, okay. And then it got on the project. There was no bidding. There was no substitutions. There was a lot more control of mm-hmm. the pro- final products by lighting designers. And that was a big change for me to finally understand when I moved here. I was like, oh, I've got to work with it, like an agent <laughs> and a rep and there's middlemen. And the way the contractors work too. I mean, that was so different. We, as lighting designers, we didn't design details like they do here. It was more that you would tell the architect, you would tell the contractors, like, I want a cove with this light fixture in this location. They were like, okay. And they would just build it. And there wasn't, there was no detail drill, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it was, and that was really interesting. There was a lot more almost handholding here a little bit, I felt compared to in the UK. I'd be curious to know what it's like now. I haven't been back there in a long time. So, and the other thing really that fascinated me was just how many women were in lighting when I moved to San Francisco, especially compared to London, there was very few women. And even compared to the other industries of my friends, like engineering in San Francisco, there wasn't as many women. But lighting, there was a ton of women. There was a lot of women in sales agencies, in the manufacturers. It was just a great thing to see. I mean, all of my bosses bar one company have been women. And I've loved that. I think that's been great. <laughs> talk, talk to me a little bit more about what, what was so great about that for you. I think it's partly just inspirational as a woman. I mean, partly I... I have a sister and I went to an all girls school from the age of six. So I've really just been around women. Like that's kind of (laughs) been part of my life. And I think women just for me have always shown that you can do whatever you want to do. And that's growing up, my mom always told that, my school always told me that, that you can be whatever job you want to be as a woman. And I think seeing the women in leadership positions was inspirational because you see, okay, they can do that. You know, women can do that. Women can be the majority in a company. And I've never experienced really the other side of that or very rarely. 
And I think that's been a great thing just for me as a woman because I've never felt the pressure of being a woman in a man's world, I guess. <laughs> I've always felt like being a woman in a woman's world. <laughs> and so in my industry. And it's it's interesting you say that. The lighting industry is so male dominated. You walk around a trade show, you walk around any of this mm. stuff, it's all men. Right. It's all old men right. behind these, <laughs> these companies. Uh-huh. And they started a lot of these companies and women weren't starting companies 40 years ago, but women are very much seen, you know, not only as equals, but they should also have every single opportunity that men have today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you saw that 20 years ago. Yeah. That was a West Coast thing. Mm-hmm. It was probably a little bit of an East Coast thing, right? I mean, the coast of the progressive parts of the country, so mm-hmm. to speak, in the United States. Mm-hmm. It's great to hear that was an inspirational part to right. everything that you did. Yeah. Talk to me about how that's formed your career and put you at where you're at today, which is being an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Well, the last two places I worked, both women were put in a position of leadership very early on in their careers and very young and they've really succeeded you know and they've grown companies that are super successful now and I think that's helped show me that you know women can do that and I could do that and I think that's been great to see and just seeing friends who I started out with 20 years ago you know we all just came out of university we all got jobs and now they have their own companies and it's just been great to see that and I think in this world I think there isn't anything that women can't do and I think that's what I found and now moving to a different industry that is also very male dominated it's been interesting to see the women in that industry lead and how they are pushing the boundaries. I've always loved seeing female entrepreneurs. I follow a lot of female entrepreneurs and what they can do and how they can break barriers in each of their industries, um, whatever it is. And all I think all these women just help and they help the younger generations show that there's nothing stopping you from doing it. Who are some of your favorite female entrepreneurs? I love Marie Forleo. She's just a great inspirational marketer and she's very like a motivational person and she's really sort of inspired me as I transitioned uh, my career just in terms of what I wanted to do. I also love Brene Brown. I mean, all of her books are just amazing. Amy Porterfield, she's also another marketer and she's just, I love her story coming from corporate and her deciding, can I even go out on my own and be my own? person and do what I want to do and her stories inspired me too and she's also in, in marketing and these especially the online female entrepreneurs have just been really interesting how they've grown in I mean online industry is a very male-dominated industry but they've really pushed the boundaries too and I, I think that's been great to see. Josie you're you're not a lighting designer anymore you're an <laughs> entrepreneur Mm-hmm. You spent so much time talking about fixture schedules and, and cut <laughs> sheets and the opportunity to get an education and lighting and everything else. And you've had a, an amazing career in it, yet here we are s- and you're not doing it anymore. What was the tipping point for you there? Was it all these entrepreneurs and, and women in leadership that said, hey, you can go do anything you want and you wanted to keep exploring or was lighting not doing it for you anymore? I mean, oh, definitely over the years, over the 20 years, I've had thoughts of what else can I do and even when I went to work at HLB I talked to Angela and it was never planned to work for at HLB and I went to talk to Angela to go work um, to ask her about her thoughts on working for Disney because that's where she started um, this is Angela McDonald and and I thought it'd be cool to work for Disney you know and so I talked to her about that and she was like don't work for Disney I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you know I've always had the idea of exploring other 
parts, other sides even of the construction industry, you know, seeing what's out there. But I think it's always good to see, to not get stuck in a rut. And I feel it got to the point where I just wasn't, I didn't feel personally being challenged or being inspired like I used to be. And I felt certainly after I had my son and, you know, I turned 40 and I think it happens to a lot of people, you get to thinking, okay, what am I doing for this second part of my life? And what am I doing that is going to be meaningful um, and that is going to maybe challenge me or inspire me? And so I started looking around and really lighting wasn't doing that anymore. I still love lighting. I love so many aspects of lighting. I just didn't want to be a lighting designer anymore. And why didn't you want to be a lighting designer? I think I got everything out of it that I wanted to get out of it and that I could get out of it. And I felt I could keep doing that for another 20 years. But it wasn't going to, you know, as I said, spark joy, as Marie Kondo said, it wasn't sparking joy anymore. And so I thought, should I really be doing this, you know, just for the sake of doing it? And I'm lucky I was in a very privileged position where I am with my marriage and my husband's job that I could explore other opportunities and other things that are out there. So I could leave lighting design and I'm super grateful for that. So I really just went out and looked and I had a lot of different thoughts of what I wanted to do. And it took a long time. It took a few years to really narrow down. And I actually went to see a career coach and I really recommend anyone who's thinking about changing careers or wondering really even at the start of their careers what they want to do. Career coaches are amazing and they really get you thinking deeply about values and what's important to you. So I highly recommend that. Talk to me a little bit about that. What values did you find? What was important to you? And Mm -hmm. were you able to say, yes, what I have been doing was addressing all of that, but it's Mm -hmm. no longer? Or had Mm -hmm. you just never found that? I think some of it did. I mean, certainly my strong values were things like variety, sense of accomplishment, fun, recognition of what you bring to people and also even just having an impact on people's lives. That's a really big part of me. And that's why I I love the volunteer work that I also do um, is, is having that impact on people's lives. And I feel I got that out of lighting, but it wasn't as strong as it used to be. Um, that feeling. And I felt that I could explore other avenues and do something else that was challenging. The big thing was really being challenged. And I felt mentally I wasn't being challenged anymore. And I almost wanted to do something that I'd never done in my life before. Almost like, you know, pursue it, even if you fail, because that's a challenge. You know, you grow from failure. And I think I've never, I've always been comfortable. And I almost wanted to be uncomfortable. I got to that place in my life where I wanted to feel uncomfortable and anxious about whether I was doing the right thing and whether I could even do it and succeed. And I wanted that excitement. And I felt I didn't get that out of lighting anymore. So what are you doing now? So now I am a, um, a voice actor and I'm really enjoying it. It's super fun. It's certainly different certainly a challenge learning all the technical side. I mean, I know you with this podcast, you know, learning all the audio, <laughs> learning all of that stuff. But I love just the the challenge of finding a script and bringing it to life and being able to help people tell their stories. It's such a interesting career, I think, mm-hmm. because it's it's creative in the way lighting was creative and I really enjoy that side of it. It's just a, it's a different type of creative. It's the the audio side versus the visual side. 
it's interesting that you're like flip-flopping between two big senses here, right? The visual <laughs> system versus the auditory mm-hmm. system. And I have no sense of smell. So and, you, and, you, and there you go. Yeah, <laughs> she has no sense of smell. Can you give us an example? I mean, we, we've got these sweet microphones here. Give us, <laughs> give us a, give us a line. Like, hi, I'm Josie Ratton, and I live in Colorado. Okay. Hi, I'm Josie Ratton, and I live in Colorado. Ooh, that was good. Let's get one more sentence. How about, hi, I'm Josie, and I love lighting, and I also love, uh, I don't know. I'll, I'll let. Okay. G- give us another sentence. Okay. Hi, I'm Josie, and if it doesn't spark joy discard it there you go that's so it's so much fun <laughs> to quote Marie Kondo you've done a really really <laughs> really good job with that I know that you mentioned that you know it's not like because you're not a lighting designer anymore it's you still love lighting what are you what are you doing to, to continue to fill that creative space and, and the passion that you you ultimately do have for lighting while you continue to explore other things I mean one of the things I've always loved about lighting since I've been a lighting designer is helping my friends and my family design the lighting in their houses because this I mean my house is the same it comes with some terrible lighting you know you buy a house and you're like oh what, you com- know comes with six inch cans yeah yes some, some terrible screw base CFL and some ceiling fans <laughs> oh my god <laughs> and I think there's so much that people can do in their houses, and I just love that so that's what I want to pursue is really helping people have better lighting in their home and enjoy the lighting in their home because people are seeing what they can do with their paint and their finishes and their furniture and how they can enjoy their home more through that. And I think lighting is just the other layer that people don't always look at. And they think, oh, well, now I've got the perfect sofa and the perfect rugs and the perfect paintings, but they're still sitting under really ugly lighting. And there's no reason for it. You know, they need to understand that. So, so one of uh, one of my goals is to try and um, educate people in that way. And I'm hoping to start a podcast. I'll probably get a lot of tips from you. We can <laughs> help. The, we can we can help you with that at the on right the spot. podcast. Come, um, come down and record your first episode in our studio. Uh huh. That'll be fun. Yeah. We've got all of the oh, all of the acoustics. Once yeah. I don't hit the microphone like that. Uh, if, you know. <laughs> Uh, a little, a little love tap to the microphone. Never heard it. Just don't, uh-huh. just don't drop them. Just don't drop them. Yeah. Exactly. It's the first, first rule of voiceover: don't drop your microphone. Don't, dro- <laughs> don't drop your microphone. <laughs> well, you know, I think it's great that you're going to continue to to provide education and inform. And podcasting is, uh, I'm biased, but it's fun and it's a great way to have conversations that are authentic and that are genuine and mm-hmm. that really give people a place to start. Josie. Thanks so much for sharing your story with us. Mm -hmm. Thanks so much for reminding us all that lighting is powerful, but it's important that it sparks joy. It's important that what you're doing is is truly at your roots and that uh, you're doing it for the right reasons. It's been great to have you. And I totally forgot to mention this at the the first part of this, but congratulations. You and your husband, Jay, are the first husband-wife duo on the light pod. Uh, That's a first. Put that notch in your belt. Maybe we'll make you guys a plaque and, and send it over to you. For all those of you listening, if you haven't, go check out uh, Jay Ratton's podcast. And we talked a lot about smart buildings and the evolution of really what's what's to come in the future as lighting just becomes another system, but is fundamentally potentially one of the most important systems in a building. And then, you know, dwell on that a little bit as you use Josie's uh, podcast here and, and the advice of following your passion and making sure that you always enjoy what you're doing. Josie, thanks so much. We'll see you around. Thank you. See you soon.